Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. This is the Unfiltered Entrepreneur. My name is Ashley Pollard. Here you will find business tips, entrepreneurial advice, and an honest account of mistakes I make along the way. I will also have some friends along for the ride who can add in their own experience, obstacles, and what we can all learn from each other. Entrepreneurship can be a lonely road, but not in my circle. We are all in this together. Okay, so here's the thing. I worked in the fashion industry in corporate in New York City for 10 plus years. And if you've been in my space for a while, you've heard me say that. I've worked at some of the biggest brands in the fashion industry. And what's funny is that there's definitely some brands that were very weird about hiring. Let's call it like the cool girls. One brand I worked for had a rule that fashion girls only go out below 14th Street, which is basically saying like the rest of New York City was trash, which I clearly don't believe. But I always thought it was funny and it stuck with me. So not only am I going to be exposing some of those funny rules and insider secrets and the ways the fashion industry worked, but also some of my debaucherous, wild and crazy stories that I have of my time in the fashion industry. Tune in each week to Below 14th Street, which are my episodes inside of The Unfiltered Entrepreneur, where I'm giving you the inside scoop. Well, hello. Welcome back to Below 14th Street. I'm your host, Ashley Pollard. And today I'm going to tell you a story that everybody is asking about on TikTok. If you don't know, I had a video that went semi-viral about Lululemon. And somebody responded and said, this girl took one marketing class and now she thinks she's an expert. And because I'm a petty bitch, I responded and gave a litany of all the things that I had done. I was saying things like, Oh, did you work with me when I was here? Did I hire you when I worked here? Did you work for me when I was here? Just kind of like spouting off of the mouth just a little bit. You know what I mean? That was that. So then a lot of people had questions. They were like, tell us about this Nicki Minaj dress. Tell us about this Nicki Minaj dress. Tell us about this Nicki Minaj dress. And I want to definitely tread lightly in this podcast because I don't know what I signed 15 years ago. Because when I started in the fashion industry, I started in the fashion industry in... 2009 and stayed until 2020. So I was in for 11 years. This story is from 2011 when I was working at Oscar de la Renta. Now, when I was working at Oscar de la Renta, trust me, I have so many episodes about my time at Oscar de la Renta because it like I have stories out the ass. Good ones. Thankfully, Oscar de la Renta was an incredibly positive experience and so much fun. Side note, and I do think I have an episode about this. I was working on the first social team ever in the fashion industry. Instagram came out while I was on this fashion team, but the thing at the time was Twitter. So that was kind of fun when I was interning there. And trust me, I tell this the wild story about how I got that interview, the wild story about how I almost didn't get the job there. They're crazy, but they're good ones. I'm going to talk about when I was actually working at Oscar de la Renta. So when I started, I was not working in wholesale. And if you're curious what I mean by wholesale, go listen to the overview episode. It kind of gives a rundown of my experience. But I wasn't working in wholesale yet. I was still finding my way. I was not rigid in how I wanted to grow my career. And what I mean by that is 
I could have said, I want to go in and I want to be CEO of this company, or I want to go in and I want to become editor-in-chief of this magazine. And originally, that kind of was my goal when I was in my teenage years, but I shifted and instead I said, I want to work in the fashion industry and I want to do something that makes an impact. And I wanted to be super vague and super general so that my path could surprise me. I knew that it was going to happen. I knew that if I was super rigid, I was going to say no to things that actually could have pushed me in a really cool direction. But I wanted to let the path kind of like unfold before me. So I'm working in press on a PR team, which when you're working on a PR team, it's one of the lowest paid jobs in the fashion industry. And it's typically all very wealthy girls who come from very wealthy families and own a ton of designer and probably grew up in New York or Palm Beach or, you know, Miami or like one of these like super luxe rich areas. The reason for this is because you kind of have to have a general understanding of designer, of the space. You have to have a kind of society front. You have to be able to reach out to people. So it's more helpful if you know people in the space who can kind of like help you weasel your way in. So I was working on the PR team, totally a fish out of water. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I don't know anybody. They're talking about Hermes and Versace. And like, I had never heard of some of these businesses before, these brands before. I was just absorbing. And one of the best things that I learned in my time in Oscar de la Renta that I carried with me everywhere is keep your fucking mouth shut. If you do not know a lot about a space, don't talk. Shut your mouth and stand in the corner. Absorb. Because if you start speaking, you might expose that you don't know what you're talking about. And I was not running that risk. I was like, if I stand in the corner and nod my head and mimic the same actions as them. So if they said something like, oh, my God, Hermes this year like looks totally out of style. And they're like, oh, <laughs> Then I would go, <laughs> because I'm like, all right, I'm just going to follow the motions here. But I was not about to open my mouth and show people how stupid I was. I would rather be assumed to be smarter if I just didn't speak. And honestly, I did that plenty in my career where if I was in a room with people who knew way more than me, if I was doing something that I was way out of my league, I just shut the fuck up. I just shut up, absorbed and took a million and one notes of things I had to Google when I got home that night. So when I was at Oscar de la Renta, it was very much like a seen and not heard situation. There's also something called first in, first out in many industries, but it's definitely alive and well in the fashion industry. This is not just a fashion industry experience, but when you're the low end of the totem pole, you're the first one in and the last one out. You are the one to come in and turn on all the lights. You're the last one out, making sure everything is like locked up in, in its place. So for me, sometimes that meant coming in at 630 in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning. Sometimes that meant leaving at 10 o'clock at night. It was crazy. And the thing is, I know that some people are like, that is so cruel. They can never work people like that. I would do it again today. I would do it in a heartbeat. I still do it with clients, taking whatever I can get. I don't view it as a lack mindset. I actually fully view it as an abundance mindset because once I get in there, I know I'll prove myself and I'm going to get more and more and more and more and more. And that's always been the case. That's something that I loved learning at Oscar de la Renta is tell them you'll do anything and then come in, prove yourself, stay humble, do exactly what you were supposed to do, and other people will open doors for you. It's been proven true to me every single time. So for the people who want to come at me and be like, I would never let people cross my boundaries. I crossed my own boundaries there. There wasn't a boundary. I was there to be pushed and pulled in every direction, knowing that if I'm going to move to New York City from St. Louis, I'm not going to do it for some easy, cushy job. I can have that in St. Louis. If I'm going to push myself to my limit, then I'm going to push myself. So I personally was ready for it. I'm working in the PR team. I was working for this Oscar PR girl, which I'll talk about another time. Erica Behrman, most fabulous person in the entire world. 
And let's see here. I'm trying to get my numbers straight. So this must have been August to October of 2011. Maybe June to October of 2011 is when I was interning at Oscar de la Renta for free, for free. Okay. Not getting paid a dollar, not getting any money from my parents, not anybody helping me out. I had part-time jobs. I had side hustles. I was making money online, doing like surveys, like you name it. I was doing anything to make this dream come true. And so I was working in Oscar de la Renta and Nicki Minaj was nominated for like a million AMAs, American Music Awards. And she wanted to wear this Oscar de la Renta dress and we didn't have it. And Vogue had it. I believe it was Vogue. And we needed it back. All the girls on the team were super slammed. They were like, you have to go get this dress. And I'm like, where, where's the dress? Like, who do I talk to? And they were like, net, that, 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 that. Don't care. Go get the dress, which is very standard in the fashion industry. And I loved it about the fashion industry. I loved that there was very much, I'm not helping you solve the problem. You figure it out or you shouldn't be here. It forced me to become a problem solver. So I didn't look to someone and say, how do I solve this? I said, I'm going to go solve this. I'm going to go figure it out. It was tough, man. You know, like you have to get really creative at the beginning and then you realize all these things that don't work. And then all of a sudden you start to get more confident in your problem solving abilities. So they basically said the dress is at Vogue. We needed it the next day. This is like 8 a.m. So I'm like, how the fuck am I going to get this dress? Like I'm, a, I'm like a 22 year old running around the city with like absolutely no money on my Metro card. And I'm like trying to figure out how the fuck I'm supposed to get this dress. So I'm running all over the city like a chicken with my head cut off. And I'm trying to figure out how, like, I can't call anybody. Like, the one friend that I know that works in publishing works at Lucky Magazine. She works in the sample closet. I don't think it's the same building as Condé Nast. She's all the way over at Harst. I can't get her help. Maybe she knows someone at Condé Nast where I can, like, get in and get the dress. Like, maybe I do this. No. Instead, what I decided to do is look up the person who had the dress. She was like, yeah, we have it. We'll send it over by this date. And I was like, no, we need it because we need to overnight it to Nicki Minaj for her to wear to the AMAs. Well, it's like down to the wire, down to the wire, down to the wire. And we didn't get the dress that day. And so I had to figure out a way to get this dress because it was on my hands that Nicki Minaj was wearing that dress when she crossed the stage at the AMAs on the red carpet, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to get this goddamn dress? And what happened is I knew who had the dress or at least who had access to the dress. And I found her address I don't know why I made this podcast. I'm going to get arrested. And I went to her address at like six o'clock in the morning because I was like, what if she goes to work at 630? What if she goes to work at seven? It is freezing, by the way. It was New York in February. If you live in New York, if you've been to New York in February, it's not the coldest month of the year. It's freezing. OK, like ice. It is icicle freezing. I stood outside this girl's place at six o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, what if she stayed at her boyfriend's last night? What if she's skipping work today? What if I'm at the wrong place? Like, what am I going to do? I stood outside alone in the freezing cold, trying to stay warm until like 8 a.m. when she decided to go to work. She comes out of the building and I'm like, hi, I'm coming to work with you. I need that fucking dress. And she was like, OK, crazy person, I will messenger it over the second I get to the office. And I was like, no, you will not. I'm coming with you. I'm taking that dress. I have to bring it into the office. She's wearing it in like five hours. So I need the dress. So I go with her to the office. She thinks I'm batshit. She's furious. She hates me. I don't give a shit. I'm like, it is not my job to make you happy. It is my job to make sure Nicki Minaj wears that dress. If you like want to sword fight me, I don't really care. I'm getting that fucking dress. 
So we go to her job. We go to the office. I get the dress. I immediately call ass back to the office. And then we have a second problem. How are we in New York supposed to hand off this dress to Nicki Minaj in L.A. for the AMAs where she has to be there at 5 p.m. and it's like 830 in the morning in New York? So what we decided to do is we put someone up to a plane, an intern, another intern. It could have been me, but it wasn't me. Put an intern on the plane with like basically just her purse. I'm sure she looked like, you know, a freaking terrorist because she had no bags. And we put her on a plane with the dress. She flies out to L.A., which took, I don't know, four and a half hours, I guess. She gets there like 9 a.m., 10 a.m. L.A. time, drops off the dress, gets back on a plane, flies back. Insane. Insane. And guess what? Nicki Minaj got the dress. It fit her like a glove. No alterations needed. And she swept the AMAs this year. So I'm watching like, you know, coverage on my computer or whatever it was. I don't think they filmed the AMAs or maybe they do now, but they didn't at the time. And I just see like her presenting in the dress and wearing the dress. And if you can, if you want to Google search it, you can definitely find it. She has pink hair. It's like a black lace corset top and a really big green balloon skirt. If you type like ODLR, Nicki Minaj, AMA, you'll find it. But I hand carried that dress from the Vogue office to Oscar de la Renta office, unpaid to get that dress on Nicki Minaj. And it's still one of my favorite stories because I think it is a showcase in a couple things. One, how absolutely fucking crazy I am when I set my mind to something. I have to get it done. I have to do it. But two, a little bit of like what the fashion industry is like, because it's one of those places where they don't care what I had to do. They would have loved it if I had to break in Mission Impossible style and lower myself from the ceiling to get them fucking dressed. They didn't care. Don't tell us. We don't need to know. But the dress has to be here immediately so that we can get it to Nicki Minaj. And that's very much like what you deal with in the fashion industry. Now, it's typically not so dramatic. It's typically like, how do we make another 250000 in the next 24 hours, which is still insane and very hard to do. But, you know, this was definitely an experience where I was like, I am in the right place. This was fun. I problem solved. I got to make something happen. I was trusted to do it. I had to go to the Vogue office to get this like $10,000 dress to get it sent to Nicki Minaj. And it was that moment that I was like, I want to work in New York. I want to hustle my face off. And I am loving this. More of these stories to come. I have so many more. I wrote out all of my stories and there's some like really good ones in the pipeline. But this one was definitely one I wanted to start with. Yeah, I guess that's it for today. So anyway, thanks for listening to my shenanigans. And I will catch you on the next episode of Below 14th Street. Before we go, there's a couple things I want you to remember on these episodes. I'm obviously all about helpful information and telling stories about my life. And part of being a human telling her story means that even though I'm trying my best, my memory may not always be serving me perfectly. Some facts in here might end up being inaccurate or changed or incorrect. You know, if I get a date wrong or a specific place where I was at, just know that I'm doing my best to recall from memory and piecing these stories together from you. There's also some cases where I may have changed a name or something that can refer back to a specific person so that I don't cause controversy with someone or a brand and make sure that everybody is protected. Doesn't change the point of these stories. They're all still my own. 
And these are all actual experiences from my life. So the stories themselves are not fabricated. They're just maybe some details that maybe I got wrong from memory or maybe that I'm trying to cover up so that everybody who listens feels protected and we can laugh and enjoy ourselves. Thank you for listening.